0: As always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And Ryan and I are back in our home states after both heading to Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Both in attendance, unfortunately, we saw Purdue uh, lose in a heartbreaker. Um, You know, not particularly close, but Purdue had their opportunities, they had their chances. Um, So we're going to talk about that in the second half of the podcast, but. We are recording this Sunday night, so Purdue basketball just had a game against Minnesota. Just ended about an hour ago, so we wanted to start with that since it's fresh in our minds. Purdue victorious 89-70, to um, and this was a game that was not particularly close. Um, only for about the first four minutes, and then after that, Purdue really took over. Zach Eady had just an incredible game, continues to show... Um, why, according to Andy Katz, uh, he is the front runner for the Naismith Award at this point. Um, Edie played 30 minutes, had 31 points and 22 rebounds, and was 9 of 10 from the free throw line. But I think the most astounding stat of this entire game, as I said, Zach Edie, 22 rebounds. Minnesota as a team, 21. It's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't ever remember a player out rebounding an entire team.
1: Yeah, I don't think, I don't think Swanigan ever did that.
0: I can't he remember it happening. Closed.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, and he won his bet with uh, the coaches. He got his Chick-fil-A.
0: So. Oh, wait, I missed it. What was the bet? They
1: made a bet. They made a bet whether or not if he got 20 rebounds, he would get Chick-fil-A. He got <laughs> his Chick-fil-A. What a strange bet. Hey, you know, if if that's what it takes, I think we can get him Chick Fil A. Yeah, look, I mean, all the
0: time. with the change in rules uh, for NIL, I know um, Edie's a international player. Technically, you know, comes from Canada, so I think the rules are mm-hmm. a little bit different for them. But you know, if we can if we can figure out a way to pool money and get this guy Chick Fil A every game, you know, I, I think that'd be worth it for the twenty rebounds twenty rebounds a night.
1: Yeah, maybe if he's because he's Canadian, maybe he needs like Tim Hortons or yeah, something. Yeah. Maybe that's get, the only him, thing allowed.
0: get him some Tim bits, which, you know, quite mm-hmm. good, quite good. I love me some Tim Hortons. <laughs> um so, uh Purdue looked very good on uh in both aspects of the of the of the floor. Struggled a little bit on defense, you know, allowed Minnesota to score 70, so you don't love that, but more than mm-hmm. made up for it with 89 points. Uh, two things of note in this game, Mason Gillis did not start and did not play. Uh, they noted he had a minor back injury, which is a little scary because minor and back injury aren't two things that generally go together. So you mm-hmm. hope it's maybe just, you know, a strain or, or he fell on in practice. Uh, we don't have much detail at this point. Um, the other notable thing, Braden Smith played 27 minutes, didn't score a point. So uh, still had four assists, one steal uh, against no turnovers, two rebounds. But the fact that he still was able to go out there and make an impact in 27 minutes with no points, I think shows the faith that Painter has in him and the kind of player Mm -hmm. player he's going to be for this Purdue squad.
1: Absolutely. That and just it shows how deep this team is. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Fletcher Lawyer, who dropped 20. Yeah. So it's. He had 20, two others had double figures in Trey Kaufman-Wren and Brandon Newman.
0: Caleb first I think also. Brandon,
1: oh, yeah. I mean, just this team is seriously 10 deep, and even with Gillis out, every person step up and have a big day. You don't usually get that, where if one player has an off night, everyone will swarm and you know make it better, but... This team is just everyone is just picking up any slack if there ever is any. Usually there's not so far this season, so you go into these games with even more confidence, knowing your teammates can pick you up. Yeah, yeah. And think, then, go ahead, go ahead. Well, whatever you don't, whatever they don't pick up, Zach Edey will pick up too. And <laughs> yeah. Just, Absolutely steal everything.
0: Yeah, I think it allows you to play a little bit uh, more loose if you're mm-hmm. a guy who knows uh, Zach Eady is around you and if you know the way that this Purdue team has been playing. It allows you to just say, I can make the extra pass. I can take this shot. I can do these things because I know that I've got people behind me who can, who can clean up the messes, who can really step up and make me look good. Um, And draw Mm -hmm. so much attention from the defense. So it must be incredibly liberating for the rest of the players on this team uh, to have a guy like Zach Eadie out there 30 minutes a game. And my goodness, he just continues to get better and better and really surprise us almost every game. Um, He was a guy we weren't sure was going to be able to handle the load of playing 25 to 30 minutes a game. And here he is doing it against top-tier competition, doing it in the first Big Ten game of the season – And it's he's showing no signs of wear, no signs of fatigue. He is just looking great each and every game.
1: He's got that Chick-fil-A to keep him going. That's right. But um plus he was nine of ten from free throw, but the crazy thing is, he shot under fifty percent in this game.
0: Yeah, eleven for twenty three.
1: Like shooting wise, this was an off night for him. If he uh if he shot his season average, he'd have forty one.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And he started this game 0 for 6 from uh, shooting. So, I mean, what could have been if he had just a normal shooting night for himself? I think he realized that this is Big Ten play. And at first, it was really physical. And he expected more fouls than what he got. So, he left a couple uh, shots short. And he... Took a little bit of contact on him, but this is Big Ten play, you can get mugged sometimes. Yeah, yeah, especially as a
0: seven foot four guy.
1: Yeah, but once he once he kinda got that going, you know, got into a rhythm knowing what was coming at him, that's when he started to pick up. Yeah. So I mean he finished what would have been eleven of seventeen. Right. So yeah, he's just just give him the Nasmith already.
0: <laughs> I would I mean that would just be incredible for Purdue and for Zach Edie. Um, mm-hmm. We got to mention of course the Zach Edie uh, amazing alley Oop dunk over the defender. And if you have a chance, go on Twitter. Uh, we retweeted it, but somebody uh, zoomed in on Caleb first's face uh, <laughs> when the dunk occurred and first just looks completely in awe of what Edie is doing. Um, just posterizing his defender. And it's just it's incredible what that guy can do on a basketball court. So you'd mentioned Caleb first. He had a great game: four for five, two for two from three, uh, 10 points, two rebounds, and assist, uh, a steal. So every everybody on this team seems to be clicking. Brandon Newman, as you said, thirteen points. He looked good. Um, you know, two for five from deep, so forty percent for him. The team overall mm-hmm. shot forty-one percent from three. Uh, 88% from the free throw line, and 50% overall. So those are just fantastic numbers, and keeping that up going into Big Ten play would uh, probably land you in the number one spot in the Big Ten. Probably going to wind up with a Big Ten championship if that's how you play. So um, anything else about this Minnesota game before? um, I wanted to touch on other results throughout the conference before we moved on to football.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess... This Minnesota team, they're just extremely young. I mean, um, Ben Johnson is trying to rebuild, and kudos to them. I mean, they played hard, especially um, you saw a couple guys just absolutely like putting in all effort just to get the ball, uh, get a rebound, or just take the ball away. So good on them. I know they're young, but... They should be competitive here soon.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, he seems to be doing a decent job of uh, at least getting the guys to play with a lot of effort and a lot of tenacity. And sometimes Mm -hmm. when you bring in a new coach, that can be the hardest thing because they've got to really buy into what you're doing. Um, So he seems like he's got them buying into that. Now it's just a matter of can he turn that into wins and can he bring in some more talent because that that can always be a process when you're a new coach. So mm-hmm. obviously we don't wish him luck because he's in the same conference as us, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on as you know the conference season moves forward uh, to see if they can keep this effort up. So looking around the rest of the conference, uh, conference play started, I believe, on Friday um, following the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, Maryland mm-hmm. defeated uh, Illinois at home and then on saturday rutgers absolutely dominated iu uh, 63 to 48 indiana currently ranked 10th could only manage 48 points granted it was at the rack which apparently is uh, a- an incredibly tough place to play i mean i know we used to All joke
1: trapezoid. Ab-
0: <laughs> i know we used to I joke mean- about rutgers but apparently that uh, that arena is is a-, a kryptonite for a lot of big 10 teams so oh, in- yeah. indiana only like, only can muster 48 points, that's, uh, that's very, very bad for them. So we love mm-hmm. to see it. You love to see it. Um, right now, uh, Northwestern and Michigan State are playing, and Northwestern is actually up by six in the second half. Um, elsewhere in the uh, conference, Michigan lost in, uh, yet again, this time to uh, 19th ranked Kentucky. And the surprise of the night, Nebraska knocks off number seven, Creighton, by ten. So uh, Nebraska might be a little bit better than most folks thought going into the season. So that one uh, could be a challenge. So uh, we're going to, you know, we don't know much about the Big Ten yet, but I'm really looking forward to Big Ten play getting into full swing.
1: That's probably the best win of Fred Hoiberg's career at Nebraska.
0: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, number seven. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay so fighting Huskers
0: yeah just I mean pulling
1: rabbits out of all their hats
0: maybe they'll be better maybe they'll be better in basketball than they are in football they're gonna slowly turn into a uh <laughs> slowly turn into a basketball school uh, I mean
1: we'll see if the boosters will allow that to happen
0: <laughs> yeah I don't I don't think the focus of the booster money is going to be in basketball but you just never know so there mm-hmm. we go Purdue now uh 1-0 in conference play everything you want 8-0 overall still number five um And, you know, IU lost in their 0-1 in conference. So, great things for uh, Big Ten basketball season. So, there we go. We're going to take a break, come back, and talk about Purdue's game against Michigan at the Big Ten Championship. And we are back. So, as promised, going to talk about Purdue versus Michigan in Indy for the Big Ten Football Championship game. And, Ryan, I know you made the drive. Um... What time did you get to Indy? Unfortunately, you and I were not able to connect, um, but what was uh, your experience like pregame, and how did you enjoy just the atmosphere?
1: So I got into Indy on Friday night, probably about 11 o'clock, So, and then the following day I actually made the drive up to Purdue. Um, I went to the Christmas show with my girlfriend and her family, so... I wasn't able to tailgate as much as some others, but I was able to get in before kickoff and first time in Lucas Oil. It's a pretty nice stadium. Yeah. I like yeah. it.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty nice little place to watch a game. Um and mm-hmm. where whereabouts in the stadium were you sitting?
1: Um I was on the I was on the Purdue sideline in the Purdue fan sections, Okay, kind of in the second tier. So, like, kind of like the first balcony.
0: Good, good. So, um, I, I was able to get to Indy around 3.30 because um, I wanted to try to get to as much as I could. So, mm-hmm. uh, I got there, got into my parking space, and uh, went over to the Fan Fest that they had over on Georgia Avenue. Was able to see part of a shrimp cocktail eating contest that included Joey Chestnut. Um, Ooh, okay. so that was, that was a St. Elmo's, uh, shrimp eating contest. So they had to eat the, uh, sauce as well. Uh, so that I've was done that before. Yeah, I have too. Um, I'm not a huge shrimp cocktail fan. Uh, don't mind the mm-hmm. spiciness myself. Um, but uh, shrimp cocktails just not for me. So, uh, I, I, not something I'd want to do an eating contest in. What about you?
1: Well, no, I did the, that exact eating contest. Oh, um, okay. I, at Purdue on the field.
0: Oh, wow! How did that go for you?
1: i so I cannot stand horseradish, oh, yeah, me first either. and foremost, so going into that, I was trying to downplay how much I disliked it. I tried eating two shrimp at once, just you trying to go quick, and those shrimp just mm-mm, stopped. I could not just eat them. So I'm sitting there just trying to muster up the strength to get those two down. Then I'm actually like hitting the other shrimp on the side of the bowl to get the cocktail sauce off them before eating them. I came in second, and this was at the 2018 Wisconsin game. So I was in a chef costume. They asked me to come down. I got second, and then my prize was cocktails.
0: Oh no. That's unfortunate. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I got like the
1: assorted the assorted sauces from St. Elmos. The guy who won got a like hundred dollar gift card to St. Elmo's. So I ended up giving that sauce away.
0: Good idea. Good, good idea. Good idea. So um you know, after that went over um my cousin who went to Michigan Uh, was in town him and uh, my other cousin's husband uh, was with him they got tickets for the game so they were tailgating and uh, so I went over to their their tailgate all Michigan fans I was the only Purdue guy there Uh, but it was a it was a great time you know some good food some burgers some some sandwiches uh, a little bit of fireball uh, some which I put in a, a Red Bull that some people were just you know walking around giving out like at major events like they always do so uh, had that in my system, uh, went over to the convention center to try to get into the Purdue tailgate, but by the time I'd gotten over there, or the Purdue uh, pep rally, but by the time I got over there, they were kind of closing up shop, and I was like, I just don't even want to worry about it. Uh, so then I went inside um, and headed up to the press box, and I saw either Rondé or Tiki Barber, uh, couldn't be sure, <laughs> um, which is a shame because as a Bucks fan, a uh, big Rondé Barber yeah. fan, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, twins and all, it's hard to, hard to tell the difference. <laughs> so I uh, didn't go up and talk to him, but then met up with, uh, Jed, our other writer at hammer and rails and, uh, mm-hmm. Jace and Travis who used to work for hammer and rails and now work over at, um, boiler upload. So, uh, it was fun to hang out with them. And, uh, you know, what did you think of the uh, pregame festivities and everything that you could see on the boards? Because in the press box, we didn't get much of the audio, uh, we could only see the video, so I wanted to wanted to get your take on it.
1: Yeah, um, I liked them. I mean, they're kind of your standard hype videos. Found out that uh who was it? Um James Earl Jones is a Michigan alum. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. So I knew about Cheryl Ford, but so it was it was a good time. Um I liked the fact that they focused on the wins and not necessarily the losses for Purdue. So I understand there's highlights in the losses, but um, you want as much fan reaction as you can get. So with that, I think the biggest cheer of the night came from when they showed the basketball scores during the pregame because that was when we found out that IU had lost to Rutgers. So it was a good time. Um... I liked. Let's see what else do I like about pregame. Cool. I like the towel I got. I have it with me. So nice Big Ten championship trophy on it. So, were, were they
0: specific for each team, or was everybody's the same? I assume they were all the same.
1: Um, no, actually. So the oh, Purdue really? section got black ones. They were black. The trophy was gold. And then the Michigan, I would assume, got yellow towels with uh, blue trophy. Wow. Okay, that's cool.
0: cool. I like that.
1: Mhm. So it's basically like your run of the mill, like terrible towel in Pittsburgh, so
0: Right. Yeah. A little
1: something to
0: to go with. Yeah, so um, I mean it's interesting. Um I, I saw the towels on all the seats, but you know, I couldn't really tell what they were and didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of time to kind of walk around the stadium and by the time I got inside it was uh pretty full, so I just kind of enjoyed sitting in the uh in the warmth after being outside for about three, four hours because it was quite (laughs) Mm -hmm. cold in Indy. So, uh, you know, I think, do you think overall it was worth, worth the trip, even though it obviously didn't get the, uh, victory that we'd hoped for?
1: Absolutely. Um, just setting aside the fact that, you know, Purdue doesn't go to these games every year. Just the atmosphere was so fun. You know, the people around me, Um, in the Purdue section are great to always talk to about the game obviously we have a common uh, thing to cheer for but um, just talking to them about general life stuff is really good it's really nice to have those connections and just the atmosphere is always nice in these kind of games Michigan fans are not too bad (laughs)
0: to be around
1: um i was standing in a line or standing in line to get in the stadium and i was there about a half hour before the gates opened so i was kind of just in a swarm of michigan fans at that point so they weren't too awful i mean i've definitely encountered worse fans but yeah it looked like
0: it looked like getting inside was a bit of a headache um i know they said the gates the gates were supposed to open at six and as i was (laughs) heading um to the media entrance at about 6.15, 6.30, the lines were just, I mean, hundreds of people long, and they weren't moving. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the holdup was, if it was just uh, the fact that it was, you know, so crowded and everybody was trying to get in at once, or if there was some sort of problem. But it looked like uh, quite the cluster to get inside.
1: Yeah, there was. there's definitely something, like either they decided to open the gates at 6.15, Or they couldn't open the gates at 6. But they opened at 6.15. So I don't know if that was their choice or not. But, yeah, the crowd started on the – what is that? The north side and – where I was at, the crowd went all the way back and then wrapped around the Peyton Manning statue, which is how you knew where you were. You, you know, that's that's your marker. Yeah. Your Peyton Manning statue. Then wrapped all the way around that, back to the street. So it was just an absolute cluster. Then you had people coming from all different directions, kind of merging. It's it was not handled as well as it could have been. I'll I'll Stick with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. So I think we've we've stalled enough. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the game. Um, like I said, obviously not the result we wanted. 43-22 to 22 was your final score. And Purdue had opportunities, especially in the first half. Um, you know, they allowed Michigan to score, uh, go up 7-0 early. And a lot of Purdue fans were getting that dreadful feeling of, you know, Mm -hmm. is this it already? Are we gonna, you know, get blown out? Is it gonna be like what happened to Iowa last year in the in the game when they played Michigan? Um, But Purdue Mm -hmm. responded, you know, Purdue responded with a touchdown drive. And it was, um, I believe, 10 plays 92 yards in four Mm -hmm. minutes and 53 seconds. Yeah, I'm just pulling it up. So, you know, that put the game at 7-7. And it was one of those. Okay, we're back in this. We can do this. Purdue gets the ball on the next possession. Scores again. It's ten to seven. And it, it was. You're starting to feel the hope. It, it itching at the back mm-hmm. of your brain. And at that point, were were you thinking of Pasadena? Be honest with me. Oh,
1: I was absolutely thinking that. Um, there were several times throughout the game. All right. Um, I know Purdue went into halftime down thirteen to fourteen. Yep. And I was just thinking to myself, okay, Purdue's gonna outscore them twenty-eight to twenty-one in the second half, and I'm gonna get my prediction exactly right.
0: <laughs> that now that would have been impressive. That would have been impressive.
1: I I don't think I would have let anyone hear the end of it had Nor I. Nor should
0: exactly you. Nor clear. should you. So I mean, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but the final score was forty-three to twenty-two, and I picked forty-two to twenty-one. So I I mean, I was two I points mean, off. If Jim doesn't go for two at the end there, I know. You got the Michigans right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, first half was great, super entertaining. Purdue goes down just one. And then, in a span of, I believe, about five minutes in the third quarter, the wheels just mm-hmm. fall completely off. Uh, two touchdowns, uh, sandwiched between an interception for Purdue, and suddenly. Purdue goes from down 1 to down 15 in the first five minutes of the third quarter. And as much as we didn't want to admit it, uh, the game was over at that point. Um, Purdue was not able to come back, you know. Um, and, and that's yeah, that's tough.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know that Michigan has all the talent in the world on their team. Yes. You knew this was going to happen, and just the floodgates really just opened as soon as that second half started.
0: Yeah, yeah. I and mean,
1: it was... It, I I believe they held Donovan Edwards to 38 yards rushing in the first half. He finished with
0: 185. So yeah, do that math there. He had a pretty good second half.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Including, so, I, mean, including
0: I think, a, a 60 yarder or so um, on yep. that first touchdown drive of the second half. I mean, it, mm. those two touchdown drives were a total of seven plays. And took just over three minutes. So in that amount mm-hmm. of time, Michigan scored fourteen points and and essentially put the game out of reach.
1: And all the while, it's not like Purdue couldn't move the ball. They were moving the ball actually fairly well. They got into the red zone six times. Mm-hmm. It's just they couldn't punch it in. They um, kicked five field goals. Which yeah. hey, Mitch and didn't miss.
0: No, I mean, and kudos he to was him. On point.
1: Yeah pretty good in those big games for it he's got that dog in him. Yeah. Um but I think just,
0: I, I think if you're talking about your kicker as your star uh in a <laughs> in a championship game, it likely has not gone the way you wanted it to go.
1: No. I mean, there was several drives where Purdue left four points on the board and it's that's that's the difference between a 21-point loss and a 7-point loss.
0: Well, yeah, and I, I mean, mean, you know, and Purdue had the ball at the end of the game, and if you were in, if you change those field goals to touchdowns, mm-hmm. we don't really know, you know, exactly how much they would have been down by, and of course that changes the whole complexion of the game, and Michigan does right. different things maybe on their drives as well, but if, if Purdue has the ball at the end of the game, down 7, you just never know what can happen. And, you know, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, because they settled for so many field goals, that just didn't happen. So, you know, we we just, too many field goals, not enough punching it into the end zone. And I I went to the press conference after the game, and Braum was specifically asked about it, you know, um, because he'd he'd spoken earlier in the week about, you know, if Purdue is going to win this game, they have to be aggressive, they have to take some risks. And they did. You know, Purdue took some risks. They did a a fake punt. Uh, Payne Durham converted on that. And, you know, they, they did that absolutely beautiful trick play with Maccabi doing the fake flea flicker. Um, that was a thing of beauty. Uh, worked out perfectly. But when it came down to it, um, you know, especially when Purdue was down, I believe, 12. Yeah, Purdue was down 12, driving uh, for a touchdown, ultimately had to settle for a field goal. Uh, but for me personally, uh, that took it to a nine-point game. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Because you know they, it's still, kicked, a, two it's still a two possession game, and mm-hmm. we didn't even know if Purdue was going to get the ball two more times. So why not be aggressive? You're the underdog by you know fifteen and a half, sixteen points. Why not go mm-hmm. for the touchdown? But uh, as I said, I was at the press conference. He was asked about it, and Braun basically said, you know, it, Michigan's defense is very good. It's hard to get in the end zone against them, and they showed that uh, where we struggled, and you didn't. We didn't go for those fourth downs because often Purdue was in bad situations. You know, it was fourth and long. um, And if you don't convert, you don't get any points. And then that can be backbreaking. So he tried to take the points when he could get them, hoping that he would have more chances. And Mm -hmm. it's understandable to a degree, but I think, I think you have to, if you're, if you're going to be aggressive, if you're going to say the only way we're going to win this game is by taking risks, you have to build that into every single play call and you have to know, you know, once I get to the 30, it's going to be four-down territory. So mm-hmm. build that into your play call on third down. You don't have to get everything on third down. Set yourself up for an easier fourth down. And it didn't really seem like Braum built that into his play calling, and we didn't see that. So he was aggressive to a degree, but not as much as I think he could have been.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I... To his point, I know the Michigan defense is obviously outstanding, but the offense at that point was just doing whatever it wanted. So I can see it both ways. Now, my thinking is in line with pretty much everyone's that we should have gone for it. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not my job to make that decision. So I guess I can hem and haw all day, but... At the end of the day, it's Coach Brom who has to answer that question. I'm kind of happy it's not me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd be happy, though, if I was paid a few million dollars. Um, well, you know. Yeah, so you take the good with the bad. The pressure, but you also get millions of dollars. Um, mm. I-, I think I'd take that trade off. But, you know, ultimately, Purdue made some mistakes in the game. Um, you know, mm-hmm. most notably, jumping off sides uh, when Michigan was preparing to kick a field goal. It gave them, you know, instead of a fourth and six, I believe it turned it into a fourth and one. Michigan then converted the fourth down and ultimately got a touchdown out of that drive uh, instead of a field goal. So that was Mm -hmm. a difference of four points right there. But, you know, again, it's one of those, we don't know how it changed the complexion of the game. It would have been great for Purdue's momentum to hold them just to a field goal, but, you know, they didn't. And every little thing that goes wrong comes back and you question it. And you wonder... What would have happened had Purdue not committed that penalty? What would have happened if, instead of running into the kicker, Purdue got the call of roughing the kicker, which I thought it should have been, um, yeah, on, that, I mean, he, on that punt?
1: He hit the plant leg. I mean, you hit the plant leg, you saw Jeff Brom say it on the
0: replay that he broke his leg. Yeah, well, um, he used a little more colorful language than that.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, I wasn't happy with that call. I... Don't want to be, like, the naysayer at the refs. I think they did a pretty good job
0: throughout the day. Minus those two calls that had to be overturned.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have replay for a reason, luckily. I mean,
0: (laughs) but... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be um, clear, to be clear, Purdue did not lose because of the officials. I I want to make that 100% clear. I didn't think they were great. Um, I thought they missed some calls. I thought some of their calls were bad, but... You can say that about each and every game, and that is not why mm-hmm. Purdue lost this game. Purdue lost this game because Michigan is one hell of a football team, and yeah. they don't really have a weakness. And even if they did, you know, Purdue didn't find it, and Purdue was not able to take advantage of it. So, you know, Purdue outgained them, but ultimately it, it doesn't matter who gains the most mm-hmm. yards. It matters who puts the most points on the board, and that wasn't Purdue. So, mm-hmm. you know, Purdue loses the ball game, but it was a hell of a lot of fun. It was great to be there. It was a it was a great run to even be in that position, you know. Thanks to Nebraska beating beating Iowa and Purdue finishing the bucket game. So, I mean, would I have rather they won? Of course, but it was a great experience, and I'm glad I took advantage of being able to go to this game. And I, I'm sure you would agree.
1: Mm, absolutely. Now, one one thing we have not mentioned is a certain Mister Sizzle yes. broke a certain record.
0: Yeah, yeah, he now holds the record for most receiving yards in a season um at Purdue. Thank you, Iowa. That, yeah, I mean, it's just he had one of the greatest seasons uh a Purdue receiver has ever had. Obviously, you know, we you know, from a yardage-wise, it's the greatest season a Purdue receiver's ever had. Got to keep in mind right. uh they do play more games now. Um mm-hmm. so that matters, but you know, no no slight to Charlie Jones. He did everything Um, expected of him and then some, uh, he was at the press conference as well. And someone asked him, you know, did you do everything or why did you decide to leave Iowa and come to Purdue? And Charlie Jones seems to be a man, of few words. Um, he looked kind of uncomfortable up there. Um, didn't really seem to like talking about himself, but he, he said very briefly, you know, I left Iowa to come here because I wanted to show I could be a wide receiver and not just mm-hmm. a special teams player. And he accomplished that goal 100%. And if there's anybody out there Absolutely. who doubts that Charlie Charlie Jones is a wide receiver, they just need to go back and watch any single game uh, from Purdue this season. So mm-hmm. what, a, what a great story for the young man. Risked everything in his career uh, to come to Purdue, and it paid off in spades.
1: Absolutely. Um, he needs – what does he need? He needs 139 – to reach 1,500 yards. Whew.
0: I mean, that's an, that's astounding. What a number. What a number.
1: I mean, he's averaging over 100 yards a game. What a,
0: what a guy. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Sizzle. Yeah, and Purdue would be in quite a different spot without him, for sure. Yes,
1: yes they would. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I think that's enough on this Michigan game. Overall, mm-hmm. you know, great experience. Wish it would have turned out different, but... Uh, tonight we well this afternoon we found out where Purdue is going for their bowl game. Ryan, what can you tell me about that?
1: Um, Brian Kelly cannot escape Purdue <laughs> no matter where he goes. So we get to face the LSU
0: Tigers, the Bayou Bengals. Ugh, oh, that is uh, and and where is this game? Where and when? It is the cheese it.
1: Yes, cheese. it Citrus Bowl. Not to be confused with the Cheez-It Bowl. Right. So so it is on January 2nd in Orlando, Florida at 1, 1 p.m. Eastern on
0: ABC. Okay, there we go. Uh, and that is a Monday for those that are curious. Um, Correct. But it is likely, you likely don't have to work that day uh because mm-hmm. that is going to be celebrated as uh the New Year's holiday since January 1st is on a Sunday. So that works out well for Purdue fans because during bowl season you just never know when your game is going to be on. You could be at you could be kicking off at like noon on a Tuesday. You just never know. Mm-hmm. Um so pretty good destination for Purdue. We're obviously going to look ahead to LSU later on. Uh plenty of time between now and then, but um you know, now we just kind of uh, wait to see if there's any, uh, recruiting news, transfer news, coaching news. Um, and then, you know, we're going to focus a lot on Purdue basketball going forward because, you know, we're the number fifth ranked team in the nation. Big 10 plays in full swing and it's going to be one hell of a season. So, uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to say about this football team, uh, before they, uh, kind of get overshadowed for a little bit by the basketball team?
1: Well, I mean, if you told me back in August that Purdue would be playing in the Big Ten Championship game, I would have taken it every day. So I think they accomplished a major, major goal in their season. So Jeff Brom has – we'll say it again. He has turned this program around, and let's get back next
0: year. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we'll we'll see who comes back. We'll see what – happens at the quarterback position at Purdue. We'll see who comes and who goes with the transfer portal and everything. It's going to be a wild off season. I'm sure. Uh, it's just the nature of the game now. So we'll, we'll pay attention to all that and keep you appraised of any, any, uh, big news that comes our way. So, you know, we're really looking forward mm-hmm. to covering the rest of this basketball season. So for Ryan and myself, one more shout out. Oh, okay. one more shout out.
1: All right. One more shout out. Uh, volleyball. Yes. They had a, they still they had a little bit of an up and down season, but they finished strong. They did get beat in the second round of the tournament. So uh, I know that's not where Coach Shondell wanted to end up, but still, heck of a season from volleyball. I mean, they come in and play so well every single year. I mean, he's probably the I would say one of the best coaches in volleyball in the country. So. Shout out to him on another successful season. So he'll he'll get back, and he'll get back into shape next year.
0: Yeah, I hope so. A lot of good players on that team, uh, very mm-hmm. young. So And he just signed a really great recruiting class. So really looking yep. forward to the future of, uh, of Purdue Volleyball once again. So excellent. Thank you for bringing that up. We forgot to mention that at the top. So Purdue Volleyball, mm-hmm. another good season. We look forward to what they do next year. So for Ryan and myself, thank you for listening, everybody. For the Big Ten West champion Purdue Boilermakers, have a great night.